Welcome to the St. Mary AME Church Weekly Podcast. I am the Reverend James T. Taylor. We are located at 600 South Salem Street in Apex, North Carolina. Come go with us as we gather strength and direction from the Word of God.
pray. I Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We gather under your word, knowing that your word provides for us safety. We thank you for fellowship and for family. We ask that you would strengthen us, restore us, and inspire us with your love. Lord, would you fill us with your peace so that as we journey onward, we would pour out your love and grace to others. We ask that our souls would catch the wind of your spirit so that we would take your promises to all the earth. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray, amen. Our scriptural text would come from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can phantom all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away all these childish things. 
For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I want to use as a topic today, what matters most. God has been good to his people. He has given us more than we deserve. Think of it. He provided means of salvation that would save us. He has given us so many precious promises, and he stands by every one of them. When a person comes to Jesus for salvation, the Holy Spirit gives them spiritual gifts so that God might use them for his glory in his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 says, All the spiritual gifts have their place in the work of the body of Christ. They all serve to edify the body and to glorify the Lord. We each have been gifted in a special, unique fashion by the Holy Spirit. The greatest, most essential gift that God gave his church, that gift that contains the most divine power, is the gift of love working in us and through us. His love was placed within us when we were saved by his grace. And hope make it not a shame because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. That's Romans 5 and 5. His love working in us and display one to another is the greatest testimony we have to a lost world. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love to one another. That is John 13 and 35. When we walk in love for one another, we are walking in obedience to the Lord. Scripture says, the new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Of course, that favorite is of John, the 13th, 34th verse. When we walk in love for one another, we prove that we are saved by his grace. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And that comes from 1 John 3 and 14. One of the problems in the church at Corinth was that they were manifesting nearly every spiritual gift in existence, but they were not walking in love one for another. The Corinthians loved that flashy gift. They loved tongues, they loved prophecy, and other gifts that made them look spiritual in the eyes of others. God was more interested in them coming to the place where they loved one another like he had loved them. As you look at chapter 12 through 14, it was written to combat the problems that existed in the Corinthian church. It related to spiritual gifts and their usage in the church. While we think of these chapters as standalone chapters, they really should be read together. In chapter 12, it talks about spiritual gifts and how they are given to us and why they are beneficial to the whole body of Christ. Chapter 12 speaks about how the body of Christ is strengthened and blessed when individuals use the gifts they have been given by the Lord. Chapter 14 deals with the misuse of the signs, gifts like tongues and healing. And in the middle is chapter 13. It follows on the heels of chapter 12, which, which closes with this statement in verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show 
I unto you a more excellent way. We can read it this way. You are coveting the best gifts, but I show you a much better way. Chapter 13 talks about what matters most. What matters most is not whether you possess some flashy gift or not. What matters most is not how smart you are. What matters most is not how wealthy, not how popular, not how famous, not how well you are liked by others. What matters most is how well you love. When you learn to love like Jesus loved, you have discovered what matters most. This passage is all about what matters most. The whole idea of these verses is that love is distinct and superior to all other gifts. And regardless of what we do, if it's not infused with and carried out the love of God, it is a waste of time. Love is higher than the sensationalism. You may be a great speaker, but there is no substitute for love. No matter how great your oratory skills are, how beautiful your voice is, how brilliant your rhetoric is, without love, you are simply a clinging symbol. Have you ever been to a symbol solo? I can assure you it is not a very exciting thing. No matter what you say or how you say it, nor how accurate it may be, without love, it is just noise. Without love, talk truly is cheap. You see, great oratory skills can move a person's emotion. Great rhetoric can move a person's mind. Great speech can move a person's will. Hallelujah. But only great love can move a person's heart. A great speech can move one to tears, but only love can move one to Jesus. Love is higher than the spectacular. This verse mentions several spectacular abilities, but even a person was able to do all these things and did not have the love of God in his heart, he was nothing. Love is higher than the sacrificial. We can give away everything we own. We can give even our bodies on the altar of a martyrdom. But if we so know not love in our heart, it is a waste of time. It does not profit us one thing. The emphasis is clear. When love is absent, the Christian is no better than a heathen. He is nothing. He can expect nothing. Regardless of what others may think of us, our abilities or our gifts Without love, it is all a spectacular waste of time. In these verses, Paul gives us an in-depth description of love. He reveals all of it as characteristics that we must possess. These are truths that we need to be reminded of continually. Paul shows us that many sides of true godly love. As if love were a great and brilliant diet. He holds it up before us, reveals it many areas. And as he does, the person of God is revealed in each glimpse of light from the surface of love. In verse four, it says it suffers long. This word means patient, endure under provocation. 
The literal meaning of the word is long-tempered. This is a characteristic of love revealed through the truth that love does not retaliate. Christians cannot say, let me lay down my religion so that I can deal with you. You are suffering from not having the love that you need. Stephen is an example of this type of love. The greatest example is that the Lord Jesus, this kind of love endures all attacks. Verse 4 says it's kind. The word refers to active goodness that goes forth in behalf of others. Genuine love is never hateful or mean, but it respects others and reaches out to them. The supreme example of this kind of love is God. He is kind to people despite their treatment of him. Verse 4 says it envieth not. True love is not jealous over the abilities and successes of or possessions of others. Instead of being jealous when others prosper or excel, love is pleased when they do well. Jealousy is one of the lowest sins that we harbor in our hearts. It was Eve's jealousy of God that motivated her to take the forbidden fruit. It was jealousy that put Daniel in the lion's den. It was jealousy that put Joseph in the pit. Yet godly love is never jealous. Rather, it is pleased when others succeed. Verse 4 says it vaunted not itself. Literally, this phrase means does not make a parade. Love does not brag. It does not draw attention to itself or to what it is doing. Love does not have to be the center of attention. And verse 4 says it's not puffed up. Love is not arrogant or pride. It is realizes that all and all that it is has been given to us by God. No matter how great our talent or how spectacular our gifts, everything we are is the result of divine grace. Thus, love is humble because it remembers where it was before grace found it. It realizes where it would be apart from the grace of God. Verse 5 said, does not behave itself unseemly. Love is never rude, but always treats others with compassion, consideration, and respect. Love controls the emotions. It is not friendly one day and rude the next. Genuine love always makes Jesus look good. Verse 5 says, seek it, not her own. True love is never selfish and self-centered, but is actively interested in what will profit others. It never looks at itself first but it always considers another ahead of itself. Jesus is the prime example of this attitude in action. Matthew 20 and 28 says, Luke and 22 and 42, this is how each of us to be. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowness of mind, let each esteem other than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also the things of others, that this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 3 and 5. Verse 5. It says, it's not easily provoked. True love keeps no record of evil done to it, but is willingly endure all slights and injuries. This characteristic of love reminds us that love does not demand its own right. It is willing to yield to the will of others. True love only responds in anger 
to that which angers God. All other things are handled through active, complete, and immediate forgiveness. Verse 5, thinking no evil, takes no worthless inventory. Two thoughts on mind here. First, genuine love does not attribute evil motives to people. The action of others are not seen in the most negative light. Love is always think the best of others. Secondly, genuine love does not dwell on what others have done unto us. Verse 6 says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in sin, whether it is its, its own sin or the sin of others. Love hates sin. Love does not rejoice when another fall in sin. Whether we will admit it or not, there is a part of us that is glad when another believer falls because we think it makes us look better. That is why we just have to tell someone else about it. Verse 6 says it rejoices in the truth. While love hates all forms of evil, it loves the truth. It rejoices when truth is proclaimed and, and the, when truth wins the victory. Love is glad for the truth, even when the truth hurts. Verse 7 and 12 says love is, is fortitude. These verses tell us of the love staying power. Love is a remarkable thing that never wavers nor fails. Beareth all, love patiently endures and overlooks the faults in others. The word beareth literally means to cover. Instead of parading the failures and faults of others before all the world, love covers them over and continues to love in spite of those things. Believeth all things. Love always places the best possible interpretation on everything that happens. It doesn't always seek the most negative answer, but it believes that God will triumph in any situation. Basically, love trusts, love believes, and love has confidence in the one love. Hope in all things. Love always expects the best possible outcome. Love refuses to accept failure. Love is the eternal optimist. Love always holds out that things will work out in the end. Endureth all things. This is a military term. It means that love does not give up the battle. It stands its ground. It continues in spite of everything that can be thrown at against it. It continues to, in spite of persecution and ill treatment, love bears the unbearable, believes the impossible, holds on to the incredible, and never gives up. The word stops does not exist in the vocabulary of love. Charity never fails. When everything else in this world has passed away, when everything is held, it's such high esteem is gone. When knowledge and spiritual gifts no longer matter, love will still exist. It is the greatest constant thing throughout eternity. There are times when love may lose a battle <laughs> and that the object of one's love may never return that love. Yet, while it may lose the battle here and there, love has already won the war. The idea here is not about success. The idea is about endurance. 
when others have been removed from view, there will still be love. It does not give in. It does not give up. It does not give out. Love that is real is love that lasts. The Bible says that these three things abide. Faith, hope, and love. Yet, faith and hope encompasses it is inside of love. Therefore, the greatest of all things can a believer can possess is love. If our love is right, then faith is no problem. If our love is right, then our hope is in the right place. When our love is right, then we are right. What makes love so great? Well, love is the defining characteristic uh, of who God is. First John 4 and 8 says, When the Bible wanted to describe God in one sentence, it said, God is love. God does not have faith at all. Who would God place his faith in? God does not have hope. What would one who controls everything possibly have to hope for? Yet God is love. Hallelujah. Therefore, we are never more like God than when we learn to love like God. To be like God. We must learn to love like God. When we can do this, our world will be changed for his glory. For just a moment, take all the things that are valuable to you today and lay them aside. Forget your talents, your intelligence, your gifts, your potential, your achievement, and anything else you want to mention. Now, forgetting all those other things, how well do you love? Do you love God more than anything else in the world? Do you love others like God loves them? And if there's room for improvement in your love life, or if you have to figure it out, if you need to talk about your love life, the time to do it is right now. Because today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. We only have this moment in time. If your love life is not right, if you're not loving like God has called us to do, make up in your mind that you want to have a change of heart, that you want to be more like Jesus. Like the songwriter said, to be like Jesus, to be more like Jesus, is that what we strive to do? Take an inventory of your love life. If it's not where it should be, make it right today. I trust and believe that something has been said to encourage your heart to bring you closer to Christ, to enlighten you, that bring you into the knowledge of his love for all of us, that we may grow closer unto him. I pray that this message have blessed you in a special way. Amen.